0: Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand.
1: This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Oregon made national news last summer when timbers from a 17th century shipwreck were recovered from caves on the North Coast. Experts say they are likely from what's been called the beeswax wreck. The Wreck was one of the inspirations for The Goonies, but it's also attracted real-life treasure hunters on the Oregon coast for decades. A new documentary tells this story. It's called The True Quest for Fabled Treasure on the Oregon Coast. It's the first episode of a new series, Secrets of the Mysteries. The documentary will be screening on December 10th at the Clinton Street Theater, Tony Altamirano directed the new documentary. J.B. Fisher is one of the executive producers for the series, and they both join me now. It's great to have both of you on the show. Thanks for having us. J.B., first, where did the story first start to emerge, that treasure was buried somewhere on the Oregon coast?
0: It's really an interesting legacy because it actually goes back to indigenous accounts, basically eyewitness accounts of what seems to be a fairly consistent story about Ships uh, were described as winged canoes blowing smoke at each other, and then a ship coming ashore and people getting off and going up Neokhani Mountain and bearing a chest. And then basically this fueled, passed along for a number of of generations through the 19th and 20th centuries, fueled this... this, um, pursuit of treasure. But the interesting thing about it is it goes hand in hand with what archaeologists and historians have have now determined to be very real material, concrete evidence of shipwrecks, beeswax, porcelain, other kinds of materials. And all this kind of reinforces this idea that whether or not that's the same story, that there's something there. So a lot of the treasure hunting kind of came out of that kind of one-two punch of both these eyewitness accounts and this actual archaeological evidence.
1: Tony, can you describe what these – the trade that the – a Spanish ship um, that's presumed to have been shipwrecked off the Oregon coast, what they would have been doing in the Pacific Ocean?
2: They were going from the Philippines to Acapulco. They were pretty much cargo ships and traveling back and forth from uh, the Old Kingdom, which was Philippines. Philippines down to the new kingdom of Acapulco and just distribute goods from there this ship was blown off course by some kind of tragic catastrophic event and because
1: there's there's no reason otherwise for it to have exactly been all the way up on the Oregon's north coast if they were going to Mexico exactly what we now uh, call Mexico
2: yeah they would have in a normal event it would have been south of San Francisco per se that had no they had no business being this far up north. Uh, some event happened. They were blown, of course. And Neocani Mountain is the highest uh, point in that side of uh, the northwest. And it's always been been a point of reference for uh, sailors. And it's, that's where this ship ended up for some reason. That's what we wanted to kind of dig in and discover why. Why did you want to be a part of telling this story? escape hmm. from the world hmm. a year I mean, that's ago true of a I, lot of different stories though right of course this story specifically has to do with adventure has to do with uh, a legend has to do with and it has incredible real life characters uh for a filmmaker that was a gift i and what initially grabbed me more was jb was an acquaintance of mine and i hadn't seen in years, and he sends me an email with the subject line reading, Real Goonies. Hmm. Goonies was a big part of my life childhood. I'm a child of the 80s, so as as a film geek, that movie played a big part of my life. And knowing that the story had bases on that legend drew me...
1: drew drew me to this. You also say at the beginning of the movie that part of the draw
2: was the Pacific Ocean itself. In what way? It holds a lot of deep childhood memories. I'm from Peru, uh, and we grew up in Lima, and that held a lot of deep, fun, happy memories in my life. And as an immigrant, realizing that the Pacific Ocean is still here, Hmm. just an hour away, was a realization that I kind of wanted to document, you know, it was like my new sense of home is here. Hmm. And I wanted to tell stories that had to do with Oregon. Oregon has a, a, it's a new state, really, as far as history goes worldwide. We're a new country. We're a new state. And the history that has occurred in the last century, which was not that long ago, is part of history. And I had no idea about this treasure, even though, I've lived here for 22 years, so coming up, uh, you know, having JB and Doug reach out was just a gift and uh, I mean this was only a year ago like, uh, actually over a year ago right yeah just a little over a year yeah JB Tony mentioned uh, that as a
1: filmmaker he also he, he looks for great characters the the biggest character um, who you introduce us to in this movie who actually probably would have been well known to Oregonians reading a newspaper in the 1960s or 1970s or watching TV is a man who had two names Tony Moreno otherwise known later known as Ed Fire
0: who was he? So this was really my draw to this whole story because for over a decade I was kind of researching these treasure hunters. And and this particular person was sort of so above and beyond everyone else in terms of what he was doing. So he was actually a Salem house painter. I think he came originally from New York. And uh, in the mid-late 60s, he came to Neoconnie Mountain, drawn there basically by this idea of this treasure story. He'd actually done some searching at the Lost Dutchman Mine in Arizona. And he came in about, I think, 66 to Manzanita. And almost immediately, he takes a a caterpillar out on the beach and starts digging. And apparently right away, of course, as you can imagine, (laughs) officials came and checked in with him. And his response was, I lost my watch. And then it pretty <laughs> much a, from there gets – I need an excavator on yeah. the public land. Exactly. And it gets wild from there because basically he manages to secure what becomes known as the the Tony Marino treasure trove bill. He turns out he knew Governor McCall and he arranged this unprecedented uh, bill to be passed that gave just huge uh, rights for the, the treasure hunter as far as their percentage of the claim, and also huge rights to dig. He was able to, apparently had seven miles of access on the beach. So anyway, he was this really interesting character. As you mentioned, he was well known. He'd been very widely covered in in the news media in the 60s. And then he, after a while, faced a lot of pushback from the community and gave up for a while. And then he came back as Ed Fire. And he came back and he dug on the mountain. And that's really the story that I was fascinated with documenting, was he found just apparently found all of these wild things.
1: Right. Well, so And, and this is where we get into the realm of um, we really have to sort of underline and italicize the word apparently, right? I mean, so, so for, but let's let's stick with what he said he found or what family members of his that you talk to
2: say they found. Tony, what's their story? They found apparently this is a big apparently they found tunnels uh under the mountain 6 miles worth of tunnels
0: well i guess it was kind of it's a little unclear I guess it was some certain number of acres like acres, over yeah. but it wasn't necessarily t- all continuous right it was
2: they found a whole network, a a network. network of tunnels yeah. he says, they, as they found say. a mural apparently they found a mural on the wall of the cave of the tunnel and it had a picture of uh some uh north african folk and uh, Moors, and uh, yeah, and th- this—I mean, this is apparently what <laughs> they found. But and, and the the lost Ark of the Covenant, which uh,
1: uh, you know, which made famous, I guess, in biblical stories, also made famous <laughs> in, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay. uh, all under Niaconi Mountain.
0: Yeah, basically, that, so I guess there was a central chamber, which apparently he never made it to, but that that was where the Ark was supposed to be. And he a lot of what he kept coming back to was he found timbers that were hewn by man. He would always use that term. Um, and basically, the idea was that the Moors from North Africa came along with the Spanish ships and dug these tunnels, essentially uh, Ed Fire's belief, and he was very religious. He claimed that he used all sorts of decoding of these rocks that have also been found there, which are these treasure rocks that have markings that kind of fueled the story as well, because they're actually physically there. And uh, he said he followed this to kind of lead him toward this mystery, which he said was uh, renegade members of the Catholic Church, monks basically coming here on some ship, Hiding this treasure that included these relics, basically, and so there is definitely this out there element to it. I also kind of find it fascinating because it's like this was a, this this place at that time for people coming from abroad would be seen as a very promising place to, for example, hide things. And so, from that vantage point, you go to Neocani Mountain today, and you just start to think this would be a place to hide treasure if someone mm. was needing to do that.
1: Another big issue that is prominent in the, the second half of the movie is something that people call the curse of the Neakani treasure. Tony, what kinds of stories did people tell you?
2: Well, there has been treasure hunters who have actually lost their lives seeking this treasure, um, which has accumulated into the myth of the curse. And also, I mean, there there's also, there have been actually more... Eyewitnesses and of uh, strange occurrences around the Niagani Mountain, uh, or energy of lights, uh, unknown, sort of a, you know, a, apparitions, and all that was what what, what kind of went its own course while we were d- researching for this, you know, because it was more than one person was telling us about this stuff, so.
0: Yeah, and Ed Fire's family, definitely, you know, we spoke with several of his descendants, some who wanted to participate and others not, but they all talked about that as a huge part of this. Um, And, you know, we we were, and and I think even to the extent that some of it was sort of like, okay, you shouldn't mess with this story because there's this curse. And we always thought as a team, we always thought, well, you know, we're not seeking treasure. We're not interested in that. That's not our pursuit. So as long as we're kind of on the side of documenting the story, we should be okay. And indeed...
1: Well. Did you was did you encounter an increase in uh, supernatural behavior as you were making making the movie?
2: No, not really, which was a shame because I was <laughs> wanting that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the the, only, the curse kind of was more of a personal thing that happened during the making of this, and that was that's in the film, so I don't want to give it away. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, but definitely there were ups and downs. There were times where we were even questioning why we're even <laughs> doing this, and but it was it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. This past year and a half, it's I, I went places I never even knew existed before, you know, and it's it, it was just a magical. It, it just was more of a, of a reminder of how magical the Oregon coast is. Well, I hope.
1: What you're getting to um makes me think that you m- won't mind my, me bringing this up. But at the end of the movie, you say that you did find treasure of a sort on the Oregon coast, but not the con- not not a a chest full of of gold.
2: So do you mind telling us what you mean? You know, the the treasure ultimately that I personally found uh, and that I wanted to portray and to come across during that last part of the movie was the treasure of the, the inner feeling of being at home. Uh, as an immigrant, I had no sense of home for a long time. And even though I lived here for 22 years, I've always felt as an outsider or just somebody passing through. <laughs> mm-hmm. as, but being there, doing this story kind of enforced my... the recognition that, you know, wait, I am home. This is home and this story is home. And that's was the treasure for me at the end.
1: Hmm. J.B., I mentioned this is the first Installment of this new series. We have just about a minute left, but what else can people expect in the in the coming months or years? So we're
0: really excited about telling stories that might have some familiar elements, and then also bringing in some unknown things, um, and then some stories that are completely or le- you know less familiar. And one of them is a story that kind of put me on the trail of everything that I've been involved in over the last decade, and that's about a missing family that disappeared in the Columbia River Gorge in 1958. And we're actually we, we that comes up in this. This episode, but we're going to devote some more to that story because that's still very much an active story involving searching for this vehicle that's believed to be in the river. So
2: we also want to incorporate local musicians, independent musicians, into our screenings and events, and in the soundtrack itself. Me and JB scored the soundtrack to this, and uh, coming from like a, a music background, we wanted to we wanted the screenings to be more of like a, a local community kind of gathering spot for musicians and. You know know, just to feature music and film independently. Tony and JB, thanks very much.
1: Thank Thank you. you. Tony Altamirano is the director of The True Quest for Fabled Treasure on the Oregon Coast. It'll be screening December 10th at the Clinton Street Theater. JB Fisher is one of the executive producers of the series Secrets of the Mysteries, along with Doug Kenk Crispin. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva The Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust Ray and Marilyn Johnson And the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation